Welcome to the virtual roundtable, Navigating Financial Uncertainty, sponsored by ABC Fitness Solutions. Before we get started, here is a message from our sponsor. ABC Fitness Solutions is the premier provider of software and related services for the health and fitness industry. Building on a reputation for excellence and support for clubs and their members, ABC is the trusted provider to boost performance and create a total fitness experience for members of clubs of all sizes, whether a national franchise, regional chain, or a local gym. Thank you, ABC Fitness Solutions, for being a part of the 2020 Club Solutions Virtual Summit. Paula, take it away. Thank you and welcome to Navigating Through Financial Uncertainty, Financial Planning. I have the privilege of moderating this distinguished group of professionals that are not only knowledgeable, but are going to make finances fun for you today. So we're going to have a good time and we have a, a really talented group of people. So give me an opportunity here real quick to introduce our panel. First of all, thank you to ABC Fitness Solutions for being the sponsor of the webinar. We do have Bill Davis on with us. He is the president and chief executive officer of ABC Fitness Solutions. Prior to joining ABC in February of 2019, Bill spent his career in various leadership roles for enterprise software companies that span the healthcare IT, education IT, and human capital, capital management industries. As a self-proclaimed fitness enthusiast, Bill is really excited to be part of the fitness industry at a time of such fundamental change when technology solutions have an opportunity to have an outsized impact on the industry's future success. So thank you, Bill, for joining us today. Thank also you. with us is Frank Ancharski. Frank is the Chief Operating Officer of American Family Fitness in Richmond, Virginia, and the Chief Coaching Officer of Club Coach Services from Chapel Hill, North Carolina, a product of Pennsylvania and Penn State University and American University in Washington, DC. And he is an industry veteran of 37 years. Then let me introduce Ralph Race, who is the COO of Forma Gym with two clubs in the Bay Area, California. He has been in the fitness industry for 30 plus years and started as a locker room attendant, grown in, in tremendous uh, levels up to where he is now while in college. He is passionate about health and fitness and helping others along their fitness journey. Then let me introduce Lori Smith. Give us a wave then, Lori. Lori has served as the Senior Vice President for Villa Sports since June of 2011 and is responsible for the operational and financial performance of seven large resort-style multi-purpose clubs in California, Oregon, Colorado, and Texas. She also assists in the development process for new clubs and leads a home office team of six vice presidents and seven national directors. Lori earned her BS from Springfield College and her MBA from Duke University. And then let me last um, introduce Frank Lawrence. He is the CEO of the Athletic Clubs, has had a 30 year career in banking, and then eight years ago left that career to become an owner, a part owner and day-to-day -day partner with the Athletic Clubs. The Athletic Clubs is comprised of four different clubs. Little Rock Athletic Club, which is a 130,000 square foot multi-purpose facility with tennis, swimming, fitness, and family amenities. Little Rock Racquet Club is a 70,000 square foot multi-purpose facility with tennis, swimming, fitness, and family amenities. North Little Rock Athletic Club is a 40,000 square foot fitness, swimming, and family facility. And Downtown Athletic Club is a 4,000 square foot facility geared toward executive fitness. 
So that is all of our panels. My name is Paula Newbert. I'm not happy to be here with all of you today. We're going to hear some great um, information and feedback that is hopefully going to help guide all of you that are listening in on the call to uh, um, help you through these tumultuous times and get us to a point of not only surviving but thriving in our industry again. So let's start with um, Pamela Flory. I'm going to start with you. Being the female on the panelists will give you an opportunity to, to kick off. So can you share what are some of the more pressing financial concerns right now that operators may relate to? What are we dealing with right now financially? Yeah, well, I think uh, for us, uh, the most pressing concern is the unpredictability and uncertainty surrounding us. We're all used to being doing a lot of strategic planning, forecasting, looking ahead. I feel like it's nearly impossible to do that, um, both in the short term and the long term. I mean, we don't know what's going to happen. No, none of us know. I mean, we could. We don't know if our clubs will be shut down again in a, in a couple of months. We don't know uh, what news is going to come out about COVID. We don't know whether cases are going to increase. So it's really hard in such an uncertain time to do a lot of planning. So I think uh, really it's focusing in on the day to day. And we we'll keep my answer short. We can talk more about that later. Okay, you got it. Frank, A, anything more to add to that as far as what we're dealing with at this particular time? Financially. Yeah, I would, yeah I'd, I'd say Lori hit quite a few of the big pieces on the uncertainty. I would just say the seasonality and the trends that we're used to going into coming back from the summer break and going into the peak season, that uncertainty, the specifics of that makes it very difficult to, to forecast. I would say that the frustrating part for me is mostly about the consumer confidence. It is completely and utterly shaken. And I'd say the last thing is the, the critical success factors. Um, that net membership number um, concerns me for, for all of us. What's going on with freezes? And I, I'd say the last one is usage. And there's a slow crawl for us with usage, but those three critical success factors have me most worried. Perfect, and you'll be able to elaborate on those definitely, Frank. Ralph, how about you coming from California? Yeah, number one, well, we've been definitely slower than other people to open, and Lori, Lori's experiencing that as well. I mean, we're only at 25% opening just now. We just happened this week, so that's no locker room. So we're still pretty hamstrung with just an outside product right now. But really, my number one concern is the inactives. I mean, you guys talked about it, freezes inactives, however you phrase it. Yeah. Uh, we got about 20% of our total membership is on a free inactive. So working through the process of how you migrate them back into the club or into a fee-based kind of a inactive in the future. That's, that's my number one. Okay, thank you, Ralph. And then Frank L., you've been open probably longer than everybody on the panel. So you might be in a different place with where your financial planning in is when, what you're looking at now. So tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, so we, we have been open uh, quite a while, Paula, really since early May, but, you know, I think from the very beginning in, in early March to mid-March, when we could see that the world was going to shut down till today, you sum up everything that, that everyone's already kind of said is that, that cash is king though, right? So the number one deal from a financial situation is your cash, how you're managing your cash, how you're going to manage that cash flow, because there is all that uncertainty in there. 
and you've got to preserve cash. And so you've got to manage that out. And we're looking at that in you know, a, a pretty long-term horizon. When it all started, we were looking at kind of a 13-week cash projection. And what are we burning? What are we going to get in, et cetera, et cetera. And that's continued and really looking out even further because of the uncertainty that, that we've all talked about there. Yeah, definitely. Thank you, Frank. Bill, would you like to add anything to this piece? Well, yeah, I just because I have a little bit more of a macro macro view, you know, with the eight thousand some odd clubs that we're looking at across the across the U.S. I, I just echo the sentiment. It really starts and ends with retention of membership, and and ultimately, do they feel safe uh, coming into the club, and are are um, operators effectively really evaluating ways in terms of extending that engagement? Um, outside the club, quite honestly. And so I have an opportunity to talk a lot about that. I do have some encouraging insights relative to freezes that we're uh, we're looking at, but I'll, I'll save that because I think we're gonna get into that in a little more detail later. Perfect, okay, thanks, Bill. Let's um, actually coming right off of that, a question, what billing considerations should clubs keep in mind right now with all of these different variables? So Frank A, I'm gonna let you start with this one. Yeah, I think with the billing concerns is people are beat up and I think they're more than ever looking for a hall pass. If you remember back in the days in high school and they're looking for a hall pass. And so there's some pretty strict guidelines that all of our software providers like Bill's company and, and ABC and what we have internally. So my piece to this is work with them as much as you can on an individual basis. We, and if they want to talk to you about it, talk to them about it. You have your policy, you have your guidelines. And I thought we did a really nice job of giving people options to get out, go on freeze, but we did make them take action. We didn't just do it. And so whether they come off of a freeze or they want to downgrade their membership, we really tried to work with them as much as we can. And it's hard because we've got over 85,000 members. Ooh, right, that's a good point though. You made them do something instead of just yeah. automatically doing things for them. So again, they were in control and felt like they were in control of what was happening versus what was being placed on them. So very good point. Um, Ralph, how about you? Yeah, I think I think what Frank said is exactly right on. I think trying to personalize the experience around the billing um, as much as possible and trying to give people a little bit of a break, try to give enough parameters for the staff that they've got some guidelines, but also too enough freedom to try to create some exceptions and understand that this is just an odd time. This isn't the time to hold fast and hard to policies. It's about trying to understand where people are at and that whole spectrum of comfortability of getting back to the club and how long that's going to take. So that's, that, that's it. I mean, that's unfortunately a little bit of a sacrifice against the dues line, right? Because it's, you know, you're putting off that time, but hopefully that's an investment into the future and that buy some loyalty going forward. Definitely. Good point, Ralph. And Frank, you guys have been billing since May then? Yeah, really, Paula, you know, one of the strategies we did, again, kind of knowing that cash was king, right? And then back to the, the comments Bill and others have made is the retention of members and, and that really the, 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 the term I use is the engine that drives the train for all of us is our dues revenue, right? Is, is we took a strategy um and, and kind of taking it a month at a time but we took a strategy of giving a dues credit 
uh, to our members for the time that we were closed. And so we build, we never stopped billing, even in the month of April when, and we're, we're month to month, we do billing once a month uh, at our clubs, but we build in April and we've continued to build ever since. But for the time we were closed, um, you know, a member gets a credit for that time we were closed. And so that's worked really well for us. And then back to Frank and Ralph's comments again, just meeting the members where they are, giving them an easy in and out uh, if they need to go on freeze or, or cancel, uh, you know, that, that conversation is going well. Yeah, okay, thank you, Frank. And Lori, for you, you have clubs that are in different states with probably different legal ramifications for billing. Can you charge for a freeze? Can you not charge for a freeze? Those types of things. So how have you guys managed knowing you're having to maybe operate a little bit differently in all those states? Actually, in terms of billing, there have been a ton of differences in terms of reopening dates, what you're allowed to have open, what you're not. But in terms of billing, we've been able to be consistent across all states. And we, I'll, I could echo everything the three guys before me said, I uh, agree with everything they said. And we did something similar to Frank. We gave people the option of going on a complimentary freeze or they could continue paying dues while we were closed. And when we reopened, they'd get 125% of that back in the form of a gift card to use in the club, not for dues, but for ancillary programs and services, which was great. A lot of people took us up on that. It did make the whole process more complicated. You know, at the time you're reopening, calculating everybody's 125% gift card, ensuring they get it while billing, answering, you know, it, it made our life more difficult but it was a, a nice, uh, a lot of members appreciated that gesture. Thank you, Lori. And Bill, anything you wanna to add to that under billing considerations? Well, I just, I'm gonna, again, take it maybe to a slightly higher order. Um, we're increasingly talking about within ABC, this notion that there, there, there are a lot of member free agents in the marketplace. There are a lot of folks that are evaluating uh, fitness club alternatives simply under the auspices of safety and flexibility in the programming that is being offered. So I just would highlight the fact that really being attentive to um, the safety of your environment and the flexibility that you are showing one's membership is um, is proving to be differentiators for many brands. We 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 for again to give some level of encouragement. We do have a couple uh, rather large brands, you know, in our um, in our customer set that are actually up year on year in terms of overall membership. And I appreciate the overall trend is it's slightly down, but the reality is is that um, folks are finding ways to differentiate themselves. Um, I'd also just, and I think it it really underscores everything that that, that the other folks have said, encouragement of expanding your horizon. Meaning if you really embrace, hey, I'm playing for 21 and 22 in terms of that member retention and experience and your policies or behaviors really support that. Again, we're seeing that having some positive effect. Really good feedback, Bill. Thank you. But a number of you have touched on this already and this is probably going to be one of the bigger conversations that we have is getting back your members that have either frozen, have been on some sort of a leave or some sort of a hold. So there are so many people, so many clubs doing different types of things. And I know our 
um, folks that are listening in are definitely going to want to hear what you're doing, what has worked for you, maybe what hasn't, and what you're going to try differently. Um, so, Ralph, let's let's let you kick off and give us a little bit of history. On that. Okay. Yeah. Sure. We're on we're on phase two of of the planning on that. Phase one was you know take the list and start contacting people, and we got through a couple hundred of them, and we didn't really get a a lot of results and it took a it took a long time to get through those calls so we reformulated just recently um, that i'm re-kicking off the strategy actually this week and what i did was i wanted to increase the focus on this list so i took one of our more service-oriented salespeople, and i took her and i'm moving her onto this list and really creating it as a sales position so i changed the comp plan against the dues and so she'll be compensated on the amount of dues that she, a percentage of the dues that she brings back off of this list. And I let her kind of form her team. So we'll have about two, and it'll be, it'll be, be FTEs of two that'll be working this list. But what I really want is sort of the salesperson focus on this and the same kind of incentive and effort. And it had been sort of um, secondary to the other things going on. So the other thing I'm, I'm doing is really engaging the rest of the team. I did not do a good job the first round of engaging the entire club team on this, what we needed to do and what the numbers are and how important they are. So I'm doing a, a full education with all the staff of understanding how this affects the entire club and why we all need to support this effort right here with this group. And, and then the third thing is, is gathering more information from the members on why they're not back. I've seen a lot of good information from other clubs who have done surveys. So we're we're copying we're copying that idea. But the for my first round through what I didn't do well was I didn't understand the voice of the member well enough as why they're not coming back. So feeling like that you know gathering more information will be able to understand. And we do know that as we open more amenities kind of like little by little that activates different groups of people. Um, so we're looking at like, you know, being able to do fun programming that would entice people to come back in, a, in the new, in the safe way, right? So we're looking, at, we're looking at doing a Super Saturday on Halloween that is in the new version of that, but give people a reason to get excited and just that old, the club fun stuff, right? The stuff that people are members for is they love that stuff, but we can, we can figure it out and we can do it in a way that's, that's safe. So those are, those are the things we're working on with, with, uh, with inactives. Yeah, Ralph, I, Ralph and I sit on the same round table and he had mentioned that they were doing an incentive which was a really interesting, you know, I'm anxious to find out how that goes because it's a different take and uh, really looking forward to seeing the results of that, Ralph. Definitely. I hope it's good. Yeah. Me too. <laughs> so Frank L., you've been open longer again. So it, did you have folks that went on hold and went on freeze right away? And you've been working on them now over a period of time. So what have you seen happen with you? Yeah, so we, we've seen that freeze number kind of hold steady. I, I'm actually kind of cowboy math predicted that 15% of our membership would go on freeze. Uh, and and it end, I think right now we're at about 14% or so that are on freeze. And and we, we charge for our freeze um, uh, accounts. So that's uh, a little different than maybe some people. But what we're finding, and again, Arkansas has been open. Our state's been doing business. And 
there, there's just a segment of society that is not comfortable in engaging uh, back out uh, in, in public and in business, and that's okay. And what we're finding is no matter how safe we tell them we are, how much we show them, et cetera, they're just not going to engage uh, for as a whole. But one-on-one, uh, -on -one, we keep trying to educate them that, look, it's a safe place to come. We're doing all the things we can to make it a, a great environment for them. But uh, it's interesting, and again, I'm anxious to hear the, the rest of the panel and others, but I haven't seen anybody be incredibly successful in, in getting the bulk of those freezes back active because, again, I just think until the national and, and global situation changes, a group of people just aren't going to be comfortable engaging back. And that's okay. We just got to figure out how to navigate uh, until then. So Frank, a question on that. Are you going to allow those, are you given a time frame where they have to make a decision one way or another? Or are you going to let them kind of hold the freeze indefinitely? Yeah, I think back to kind of Bill's point and the point that others have made so far, I think it's the long play. So we're, we're not going to force them of, hey, you have to come off of this. We're, traditionally, we might have. I mean, we've allowed freezes, you know, for they travel for part of the year or they're hurt or whatever but in this situation we're not going to put any deadlines or at this point uh to, to get them off of freeze okay great thank you frank Lori, how about you what are we seeing happening in your clubs yeah so when we first reopened we you know it varied by club but might might have been in the range of 30 to 40 percent on freeze now over time we're probably averaging about 15 percent on freeze per club now of course some of those some have reactivated and some have canceled. So it's not a, an entire success story that it moved to that. Um, but we, I agree with Frank, you know, there's just some people that aren't gonna be ready no matter what we do. And, but I think we continue to treat them as members. We still send them our newsletter. We still send them all information. If, you know, we stay on top of, of our state and county because things change daily and they don't always let you know. Like we could find out because we did our own research that now we can offer this or that at a club. There was no big announcement about it. So we jump on it and then we make sure our members know because it might be that one person who's waiting for this or that to restart. But the other thing we did was right from the get go, we tracked our known positive cases of both members and um, employees. Obviously, we need to track employees we followed all the CDC guidelines strictly and we've communicated because our numbers are fantastic even compared to the club industry wide numbers that were recently published ours are way better and so we're letting members know through those through the statistics what a safe place we are and so we sent out an email in July we updated it in August I'm about to send another one this week and every time our incident rate has gotten lower and it's because of the what we put in place as well as the members cooperation with it yeah, you keep highlighting that i think that we have to keep doing that no matter what and you just stay the course for sure so thank you Lori. frank a um you had mentioned uh, early on in the conversation some different things that you guys are doing for freeze and hold so can you tell us yeah i think you know one of the things that we've attempted to focus on is that whole notion that people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care and i think us going after alumni 
going back to late last year to early this year, not the more fresh cancellations because they're still singing for whatever reason. So I would tell you our, our alumni mailing, so going after quite a few of our people who did cancel and giving them an opportunity to come back. I've talked to quite a few members just recently that are on freeze and I asked them, why aren't they coming back? And it's just COVID. But what we found out is that by having the membership advisors call people who are on freeze, that fills in that kind of, I care about you. And so when they are ready to come back to everyone's point, they have already had you fresh in your mind. Hey, how are you doing? Not even selling anything, just checking in with them, the old, old ways of caring about people. And we did change our pay because we knew sales would be slower. And so we went to more of a base and a lighter commission versus a draw in a commission because they're handling a lot of these freezes, the, the membership changes and cancellations. And now being a part of that calling in to the member's home or emailing them to really just stay in touch with them so that when they are ready and this thing does end, because it will end, they'll be thinking about us. Definitely. And Frank, when you're doing that, are you getting more um, results when you email them or when you make a phone call? Cool. It's a little bit of a generational question. And, uh, and <laughs> since I've been around since dirt was invented, I still think uh, voice to voice matters. Um, but I have jokes inside the company that if I leave a voicemail, they don't and they don't listen to it. They just call me back and they say, what do you want? And so I think the voice that you leave message still matters even if you don't connect them because your sincerity needs to come through and we try to script that out a little bit too yeah frank i think it's a good point you don't get that the smile behind the email and so yes. black and white and yeah you want to hear those those fluctuations in your voice so well yes. you said that you had some good news for us yeah. as far as what um abc fitness solutions is seeing so yeah. can you tell yeah, I'm happy to. So just put it in context, we support um, across uh, all of our customers, about 23 million uh, members. And so that's the cohort or, or the or kind of the universe, if you will, coming into the COVID crisis. We saw about 8%. Um, we have seen about 8% of that base go to freeze. And um, so we're looking at we're looking at their behavior, the disposition, if you will, of freezes um, since really late March. And the encouraging news is, um, I guess maybe the, the, the bad news relative to that is about 50% that have gone into freeze remain, you know, remain frozen. So it, it's supportive, it's supportive of the fact that um, as, as many of my colleagues have said, this notion of really giving members time is uh, certainly playing out in terms of the freeze statistic. About another third, though, and this is the encouraging news, another third have actually reverted back to full, full membership. And um, that is typically, from a duration perspective, typically showing up in about three months. So if you're interested in terms of the duration of how long folks are freezing for, we're seeing a large percentage of them making a decision one way or another uh, in about three months' time. And then what I found really fascinating, the residual amount, which is just under 20%, are canceling. So they do can't they do they do convert to cancel. Um, we're asking reason code. And only about half of those that are canceling um, are actually citing COVID concerns. 
And the other half are actually, back to my earlier comments, um, either uncomfortable with their current provider and they, they're becoming these uh, member free agents that I was describing earlier, um, or you know, just evaluating, evaluating alternatives. So uh, there is a meaningful percentage that is coming back in full membership. Uh, there's a meaningful percentage that is wait, taking a wait and see attitude. And there's a very, very small percentage that is citing COVID as specific concern uh, for cancellation. Okay. Paul, no, can no. I, uh, go ahead, Laura. No, go ahead. Okay. Um, I would just say one interesting wrinkle we're seeing is, you know, with across our seven clubs, three of them, we don't have to require masks while exercising. They wear them in the club and in public spaces, but when you're exercising, you take them off and in group X classes. And the other four, we do have to require. And there's a lot of people still on freeze solely for that reason. They would be willing to come to the club, but they're not willing to wear a mask in a Group X class or while they're on the cardio equipment. Um, well, we, which we, I'm sorry, Laura, I didn't mean to interrupt. That's okay. I'm just gonna make a point. Um, for both cancellation and freezes, we were we were really surprised to the positive how how comparative they both statistics were year on year, really up through early July. And if you recall, in early July was when states like Arizona, California, you know, they started to revert. And there were several large brands, you know, in terms of uh, mandating mask wearing. And it was to a complement. And it's very hard to discern. Was it policy driven or was it just the general sentiment that we were, you know, we were going into another another wave of closures? But you saw an unbelievable spike really in that mid-July timeframe, both in terms of cancellation and freezes, which I think lends some credence to Lori, what you were describing in terms of, there's certainly an element of that that's policy policy driven. Yeah, that's for sure. And Frank, I know you want to add something. Yes, please. Something real quick, I just wanted to say that these people that are on freezes, what we have found is the surprising number of people who want to come in to just see our protocols. And if you go to so many other stores, we're not even, we're so far in advance of everyone else that I think they're blown away and they're or in essence rejoining. So the activity of the MA is calling them back in, not selling them anything. We just wanna show you what we've done and you make the decision. And I think that has, has added a lot of credence to it. Yeah, definitely yeah. Frank. Ralph, go ahead. Yeah, just to, to add that, you know, I think forever in our industry, we've talked about the power of invitation, right? Yeah. The invitation to participate in something. And I think that's it exactly. We just want to invite you back to the club and see what we're doing. Yeah. Very good points, definitely. And Laurie, we're in one of the 12 states requiring masks to be worn while exercising. It definitely has <laughs> a little impact on this. But I know you got a club here in Colorado. Um, Frank Al, I'm gonna let you start with this one. We, obviously this was unprecedented times. There wasn't any playbook for all of us to follow as far as what was the right thing for us to do, you know, as soon as all of us were shut down. So I'm guessing that we've all made some decisions that we look back and go, maybe we could have done that differently. Maybe we could have done this differently. So Frank, anything that you look back and you go, boy, maybe we should have done this or, Maybe it could have gone this way a little bit better, or this was perfect. This is exactly what we should have done. 
Well, that's a good question, Paula. I, you know, look, I, I think I think it's so uncertain, right? And and we were making so many decisions back to Lori's kind of opening comments without information, right? You had to kind of truly guess on that. And it's so different from state to state, city to city, county to county, whatever it may be. And so it it's uh, it's hard to say uh, one size fits all there. For us, I think uh, things worked as well as they could and, and the decisions we made, you know, again, I, I'm, I'm not displeased as to where we are. Our balance sheet's in really a pretty good shape. The, the loan programs and the assistance programs that we were able to participate in worked the way they were supposed to work for us. And so from a financial standpoint, our balance sheet's in pretty good shape. Um, and then right now, uh, month to month, uh, we're, we're operating uh, in a sustainable uh, fashion. And so there's anxiety, obviously, as to what's going to happen in the future. But, you know, I think I think we've we've called the right plays to the best of our ability thus far. It's now what's next. Right. Treatments, vaccines, uh, elections, you, you name it. Right. Lots of uncertainty uh, that continue to impact it. So I don't know if that truly answered your question, but. There no, it definitely did. And, and Frank, I got it. I got to see you as a, a panelist on another webinar right after, you know, pretty, you know, soon after the closures and you had actually opened. So it was nice to see you guys already getting open and seeing. Uh, hopefully, all of us can look at Year Club being a way. We're all going to get there. We just got to to yeah. to stay the course and keep pushing through and stuff, and we can get to the place where you guys are operating in in uh, Arkansas as well. Okay. Um, Lori, how about you? Anything you guys could look back at and go, maybe this would have done differently or we, you know, pivoted and did this? Okay, one thing um, we did initially, and, and our company uh, throughout its history, uh, it's a 60-year-old company, although we've only been in the club business for 13 years. It's a movie theater company prior, a family-owned business run very fiscally conservatively throughout its history. And the two co-CEOs now are sons of the founder, learned at his you know, footsteps on financial management. And so we have not taken on a bunch of debt, even as we've added clubs, we've self-funded throughout. And so we were not, we're in a position to possibly handle this a little differently because we didn't have any loan covenants or immediate loan payments you know, due and breathing down our neck. Um, but what we did was we kind of, centralized things uh, before you know there were spending authorities in the clubs that all came back to the home office and every penny was analyzed during this period this went into this mode of active daily management and that's similar to what frank said cash is king and making sure they were not willing to go in the red during this period so everything we did was how do we stay in the black and keep our people employed during it and so far, it's worked. It's, it's worked for us pretty well. Yes, I think we've made some mistakes. We've done some things well. There's things I would have done differently uh, if I were the owner. Um, but overall, I think uh, we're navigating this as well as can be expected. Lori, thank you. Those are great points, and and it is true. Um, we don't realize until something like this happened how important it was the way that we were operating prior to this could really come into play. So very good point. Frank A, um, you want to add anything to that? Real quick, I'll just say that we got beat up mercilessly when we didn't open when the rest of the state did. 
there's a lot of reasons why we didn't open right away. We got two days notice and we weren't ready. And actually it turned out to be a positive, but for two or so weeks, we got beat up. So the delayed wait to make sure we had our supplies, the signage, the protocols, the procedures, the training, the journey mapping that we've heard on other webinars was all worth it. One of our seven clubs that have pools, two of them don't, actually decided to do reservations for uh, lap swimming. And now it's gonna be hard for the other ones that have already been open to do that, to change the behavior. But I think from social distancing standpoint, uh, reserving lanes was, was, was a good move on one of our club's parts. And the last two things I'll just say real quick is, um, I, you'll hear later, I'm an optimist. However, what we're seeing in England and over in Europe right now with my two favorite things, clubs and pubs closing down, I'm worried, I'm worried that the second wave is gonna come. And so I don't know if our industry, and I haven't been around a lot of this anyway, if we've done very well at contingency planning. So let's pray that it doesn't happen, but let's hope that we have contingency plans because we've seen it with Arizona, we've seen it with California to open and reclose, to think about um, the contingency plans. And as it relates to optimism, optimism, and I have something I'll share later, but I do wanna say, we in this industry are such believers in each other and this industry, this amazing industry, that I think we're too optimistic with numbers, except for Frank, he, he's probably the only one that's really wise about being conservative. So be optimistic with your people, but be conservative with your numbers. And that's that's a big thing I, I would focus on. That's a great moment. Thank you for sharing that. And Ralph, you want to wrap up this question here real quick? Yeah, yeah, sure. So I'll start with the positive side. I think what we did really well is we jumped on the outdoor product really fast. You know, the, with the support of the ownership group, we bought a huge tent. And we erected that thing in early June. As soon as we were able to do anything outside, we were able to do that at both clubs, and which enabled me to reactivate billing at full rate, which got the dues rolling again. Uh, so that was great. And, you know, the staff was into it. We got people back working. And it just gave us a real great focus and rallying cry for everybody to kind of rally around, including the members. So that was cool. And I think we, you know, we took a bit of a gamble on the uh, on the purchase, but I think it really paid off. And I think we nailed that, but we was we were just lucky that we did because I mean if we would have opened inside and we had this huge tent, it would have been it would have been dumb, but it worked out. So we're planning on keeping that thing up. I'm gonna keep it up through the first quarter. And until I need parking, until I got like crazy parking issues, I'm leaving those things up. So I think we did that well. The one thing I think that I, I, I could have definitely done better is my member communication, uh, especially in that first like April and May. You know, part of it is like a lot of what, you know, the other panelists have said is the uncertainty. But, you know, I think that once I kind of got my communication pattern going and really just being able to okay say, to say we don't know, um, I mean, the member's okay with that. But I started that too late and there was too much there was just too too much gap of information from us and from me out to the members. So could have definitely done that better and would understand how to you know jump out in front of that and be okay with saying, you know what, we just we just don't know anything right now. And I may be able to use that. I mean, based on if we do have a relapse, I may be able to pull that toolbox, you know, that tool out of the box, but 
hopefully not. But uh, that's what that's what I would say in hindsight would do better next time. Excellent. Thank you for sharing that, Ralph. Laura, you want to add to that? Yeah, uh, one comment I'd add to this topic is I think this return to a bootstrapping mindset has has benefited us. Yeah. Um, you know, as being in the clubs for a long time has you know high-end resort style clubs there's always a reason to add this program or to add this amenity or to add this staff all in the name of service and retention till at some point you've you've gotten a little bloated and so this is definitely uh we restructured our labor we an interesting thing over the summer our profit centers like our cafes and our you know spas and so forth we might have been happy in the past with 10 15 percent net profit or some cafes in the red not happy with it but accepting it we leaned those things down and on half the revenues we made more profit in every single one of them uh this year and so obviously now as we build back up we've got to keep that lean mentality and not you know just uh, add back very carefully yeah, great comment, Lori, which kind of leads me into the next question about ancillary revenues. We've all talked about how dues is our bread and butter and it's the foundation of our clubs, but we all have ancillary revenues as well. And those things have struggled. So how have you brought ancillary revenue back into your clubs right now? And are you doing anything different or new? So Lori, I'm going to let you just continue your thought process on that when you get to it. So I have three examples. One is jumping on any little window or opportunity that comes up. So an example of that is in California, while our clubs were closed, you could offer, it was started in the month of May, kids camps for essential workers, whether they were members or not. So we jumped on that and offered kids camp for essential workers, even while our clubs were closed. We pivoted and figured out how to do that. Um, another thing is, as I mentioned before, just staying on top of these counties and states and the information they release in terms of what services you can or can't offer. We just found out in Santa Clara County, where our San Jose Club is, that we couldn't offer facials ever since reopening. And just a little notice came out that they're now permitted. No big publicity about it. But because we're watching, we found out and we're ready to go in the next day promoting facials in the spa. And then the third example is um, to come be creative and come up with workarounds when the COVID restrictions would make it look like you can offer something. Like swim team, our swim team in Beaverton, we weren't allowed to have our pools open. Yet we have we had a, a 125 kid swim team with both the kids and their parents dying to get them practicing because they're high level swimmers. So we did open water swim practices. We figured out how to use this lake nearby, put our coaches in, in uh, kayaks, go next to the kids, did all the safety requirements we needed to do, uh, but made that happen. So those are three examples of how we're trying to grab every little bit of revenue we can. Uh, Lori, that's excellent. What a fun thing. Great idea. Very well done. So Frank A, how about you guys? What what have you what have you been doing to help build some ancillary revenue? Well, I think we're not there yet, but I, I took a very elaborate technology PowerPoint and I wanted to just share this with everybody. So 
the virtual market, we're not there yet, but right now it's a six billion, that's a B. It's going to be 60 billion in eight years, which is a nine-fold increase. 113% growth in subscriptions for Peloton in one year. And you may have seen yesterday that Octane was sold by Nautilus at 25% of what they bought it for just five years ago. So I think this is an answer. We're not there yet, but one of the things I want to comment about the virtual market is please don't be afraid to let people use your virtual to monetize it, whether they're a member or not, even if it's affordable. This last thing, I'm not sure exactly where this fits in. It's more on the, on the scary side, but why we might want to do this is 40-30-20. 40% of the clubs do not have cash for the next three months. 30% will close by the end of the year. And 20%, unfortunately and sadly, will stay closed. So I would tell you, if we don't think new, we don't have a shot. So I would I'd focus on doing what you can with virtual because it accelerated. I hear this from vendors all the time by two years faster than we expected. We knew it was coming, but it's here and it's not going away. Um, despite the fact that Peloton has pedal problems as of yesterday. Uh, the last two things on the revenue side is a little bit of old school. Being an older guy, I'll tell you that it's SGP and that's self-generated partnerships. So think about this for a second. All of us in this leadership room and those listening have hired people to do sales. And what's the thing we always tell them? Half your business is self-generated leads. Well, how about the leaders get out there because other businesses are hurting and we are the best personalities to go out to a honey baked ham, car washes, hotels, dentists, ice skating, bowling alleys, lunch and learns, rally around the business community because they need it. And the people who should be doing that, who would have the most passion for the clubs, and that's the leaders that are on this call and listening. And the last thing I would just say is guest passes. I know it's difficult to do contact tracing with guest passes and companion passes, but the members who do come back, we went back to an older policy where if you come with a member, just sign in, we have a code of conduct, but you can only come with a member. We don't have the guest policy open to everyone else because of the contract tracing, but I would encourage do something about your guest policy because we need the traffic and the potential leads. Frank, excellent comments. And I'm telling you, if you came to my business and asked me, Brand, I'd say yes for sure. Absolutely. <laughs> Very passionate and I, I would follow, definitely. Ralph, how about you guys? California's yeah. been tricky. <laughs> no, I agree with you. I'm, I'm ready to partner up with Frank, just figure out something to be able to do something. Uh, so, yeah, we kind of short term and long term. Um, short term, done some of the things that Lori had mentioned, probably not as good, but we like as massage came available, we were doing massage outside and really doing kind of emphasizing on therapeutic massage and over the clothes type stuff. And it's been a nice, a nice shift. And you know, it's been a matter of like who's been available and who is comfortable coming back. And so, you know, some compromises on comp plans to bring people back and reactivate some things. But, you know, that's been that's been pretty good. But I've been really kind of thinking pretty hard on sort of what the long term is, especially like within the personal training world, because that's such a big percentage of the ancillary revenue. And I, 
what I, the conclusion I've come to is that, you know, the personal trainers over this course of time has, have tasted a different world and a different life with being able to do their, their own thing. And I think for me, where I want to focus is I want to focus on programs that are results-based programs that fall into small group and large group training. And I think things like weight loss programs, um, race preparation things, high school sport preparations, things where I have a specific need and your program answers my need or my, you know, is a solution to what I'm looking for. I think people are going to be more willing to pay for than the single $90 PT session um, one-offs. I think that those will be there, but I think they're going to be in a small percentage, and I think those are going to take quite a while to come back. But for me, strategically, where I want to work is I want to work on planning those programs um, that can create solutions. I think the other thing it'll allow me to do is not necessarily have them have to be members in order to participate in those programs. So I don't, I can kind of decouple it from the membership with the right pricing strategy, right? So I can kind of bury the dues into the program. But um, I think that I think the audience is going to be more open to, yes, I've gained this amount of weight and I want to lose it or I've lost this fitness. I want to regain it. Right. There's all those little pockets. So that's that's where I feel like the uh, the opportunity is going for. Thank you, Ralph. I know Ralph and what his programs are that he's done. He's always got something up his sleeve that works out really well. So I know you're going to have some good success there, Ralph. Frank L. How about you for ancillary revenues? What, what are you doing down in uh, Arkansas? Yeah, so for us, Paula, tennis is, is our number one pillar uh, overall. And, and thankfully, um, uh, it, it came back incredibly strong, uh, really uh, month over month. Now we're trending higher than we have been uh, in tennis. So that's, uh, that's been a great uh, piece for us. You know, the rest of our ancillary products are, are obviously down. But much like Lori, we had a pro shop, for instance, that broke even to lost money. We were able to restructure some staff. I'm selling 50% of the revenue we used to, but we're making money in the pro shop now. So we have some examples like that. We we don't, we didn't reopen our restaurants yet. We may never uh, open our restaurants back up because those things have, have been losers for us. You know, and then the the next thing is the, the exact uh, uh, path that Ralph was talking about. We're looking at, um, uh, some small group training things and programs uh, we're calling them tracks so kind of a, a weight loss track or a healthy living track or whatever it may be uh, and, and we're in the process of developing those our small group training uh, before COVID it was really non-existent we had, it was really group X or personal training but now I think there is for our club or clubs is there's uh, space to add back some small group training and, and I think people will be willing to pay for that for some uh, intimacy and 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 performance and and results that they'll get out of that. So that's kind of the update for us. Perfect. Thank you, thank you, Frank. And Bill, would you like to add anything to this piece? Yeah, I would. If just really quick, I want to emphasize, and Frank just touched on it. Lori, Lori, in my mind, really hit it, hit the nail on the head in that. Um, really, really encourage clubs to heavily, heavily scrutinize every one of their profit centers and and make the tough decisions. I mean, if, if you're able to rationalize it and turn what was, you know, red to moderately profitable to more profitable, great. But making those tough trade-offs in terms of, um, you know, where you effectively are making money, where value is being ascribed from a membership perspective. Second is 
really thinking about how that then gets augmented with new and what I call COVID resilient uh, programming. And that is all about uh, what Frank A was talking about in terms of you know embracing uh, the digital movement. It is coming. It is it is not going away. And so we're seeing unbelievable uptake in in-home remote personal training engagement, uh, remote group fitness, nutrition, wellness. Um, there's just a lot of programming alternatives that um, you can you can imagine sustaining. God forbid another downturn, another shutdown, or what have you. And so thinking about what those what those COVID um, you know COVID resilient type programming alternatives are key. Specific to ABC, um, you know we're we're expanding our capabilities in anticipation of that. One of the one of the things I'm proudest of have been here 18 months is in the last month we did acquire personal training uh, capabilities through our acquisition of Trainerize, um, and um, you know so we're thinking about it from our vantage point in terms of you know the, the tools and the uh, the skill sets necessary to help clubs you know imagine a broader uh, programming repertoire if you will. Okay. Bill, thank you, and congratulations on that piece. I read about that. That's thank exciting. you. Um, we're we're getting down to here the last about seven minutes or six minutes of our um, presentation, but there are two more questions I really want to hear from all of you about these. So uh, I'm going to um, Frank A. I'm going to start with you. First question, and this is for for all of you. First question is what makes you optimistic about the financial future of our industry? And then the last one is what's the one piece of advice that you would, would leave the, the group with? So we're going to start with just the, the optimism first, and we're going to go quickly, and then we'll get those last bits. because I really would like to hear from all of you on this. So Frank, if you could start, please. Optimism. I'll go quick. Um, I'm a eternal optimist. Lori knows from calls we're on about some quotes that I have to do, and I'll finish with this quote, and that is from Mark Levy, who took four losses in the Super Bowl, um, but it comes from a Sir Andrew Barton out of the Scottish world. He was a military guy, and I say this to everyone today. Fight on, my men and women. A, li a little I am hurt but not yet slain, and then I'll rise and fight again. We're a little bloody, we're gonna get up, and I believe it, and the last tidbit I'll tell you that I believe in, protect the asset. Make the tough decisions now, like Lori was talking about, and even some of your personnel, so that the decision isn't made for you. These are hard times for people, but you've also have to protect the asset, or it won't be there, so that you can renew with your community and your teams. Excellent, Frank, I love that, love it, love it. So Ralph, let me go to you next. First optimism, and then one last piece of advice. Yeah, my why I'm optimistic is, is that I think the industry has really done a great job of pulling together. You know, I mean, the leadership has, across the country, has done a great job of, of getting together and sharing ideas and sharing information. And I think that we are, I think we will emerge stronger from this because I do think ultimately everybody is, People who are running the clubs are very strong entrepreneurs and are very entrenched in their businesses and know their businesses. Missed even the things that we were saying here of how, how we're preparing these little micro movements in order to make the business better. Um, so I, I think that 
that's why I'm super optimistic. And I think that we generally hire optimistic people that work in our environment. You know, they are healthy, they're excited, they're they're ready to go. And, and, and I think that that fuels the ideas and right the energy and enthusiasm to do new things. Um, so that's that's why. And you know, I guess my bit of advice is that you know, with all this information we get from roundtables and different things like that, I think my my advice is is to take it, but you got to really filter it down to what works for you in your environment, in your state, in your club, in your community with your members, because it could be super overwhelming when you hear what this person does and this person does, because it all sounds so good, but you can only do so much. So take it and you got to filter it down and say, you know what, this is what works for us. And, and then just drive that and stay with it. Great feedback. Great feedback. Frank, Frank L, optimism and last bit of advice. Yeah, so optimism, Paula, I think is, um, and, and Frank A talked about the virtual world and, and all of the, the, that growth in that marketplace. And I think it is true. I think all that is happening and will continue to happen at exponential rates. But what we really are about at our clubs is socialization and we sell community and connection and relationships. And, and in this time of the, the last six, seven, eight months now, uh, we've missed that in a large part. And so I'm very optimistic that when people feel safe to re-engage, uh, that we're providing uh, that environment that they can connect physically uh, again. So that's optimism. And then from a quote standpoint, um, uh, maybe along the same lines as Frank A's, but it's it's a little simpler in my uh, Southern boy uh, country mind here is called RFP and it's just called Relentless Forward Pursuit. And it's just one step after another. Love that, love it. Frank, thank you very much. And Lori? optimism and a last bit of advice. Sure, I have to admit I have a little combination of optimism and pessimism in the short term. Pessimism because of what's currently going on in terms of COVID cases, both in our country and the world and the uncertainty, but optimism that we are smart enough to survive it and uh, creative enough. But then in the long term, same things that the uh, Frank and Frank and Ralph just said. I mean, I just wholeheartedly believe in our industry and the benefit we are to our members and to society as a whole. We are a place where people can connect. You know, even before COVID, we read all these articles about the loneliness epidemic, you know, in the country. It's probably even worse now. I mean, people do need us. And I think this could benefit us in the long run with, with more... Uh, you know, all the press about how exercise uh, helps, you know, build up your immune system and is your best defense against future thing, you know, either the current thing of COVID or the next type of COVID that comes around. So uh, we'll, you know, those who are managing properly now will be around to take advantage of, of that in the future. And then uh, similar, my, my last thing, best piece of recommendation is active daily management know exactly what's going on in your club, manage it daily, stay flexible and nimble. Um, and that's Excellent. Excellent, Lori and Bill, I'm gonna let you wrap us up here. Um, right. Thank you again to ABC Fitness Solutions. So Bill, why don't you give us our last bit of optimism and words of wisdom. Awesome. 
Well, it's been a true honor and really appreciate all the panelists uh, willing to do this. It's uh, It's been a fantastic dialogue. My, my optimism is grounded in two, two fundamental beliefs. One, I do believe the pandemic will be overcome. Uh, it's it's a matter of time and, and we will, as a, a country, as a society, we will get through it. So that keeps me going. Um, I also believe physical fitness is central element to wellness and healthy living. And I think the, the silver lining of this pandemic is I think that has brought that uh, necessity front and center for a lot of, a lot of folks. Um, I also believe that fitness clubs have an opportunity to remain central to uh, a member's fitness regimen. And I also believe that um, fitness clubs have an opportunity to reimagine how they engage with their members and, um, and, and really promote a, um, what we increasingly referring to as a total fitness experience. So I'm very excited about that. I'll reemphasize in terms of advice, reemphasize what I said early, um, expand your horizon. Um, I'd join that with embracing a member-centric approach that meets your members where they are, whether that's in your club, whether that's at their home, whether it's on the road. And, and I think if you imagine uh, your role as being centristic, central, central to that, um, I think we have a lot to be excited and, uh, and motivated by as an industry and as, as individual club operators. Excellent, thank you, Bill. Panelists, you're all awesome. You're just a very wise, knowledgeable, fun group, and uh, you're full of a wealth of information. Thank you for all being on here with us today. Thank you again to ABC Fitness Solutions, and uh, you all just stay the course. Let's keep pushing forward. We'll get through this together. Okay. Right. Well. Thank you, Paula. Good job, Paula. Thanks, Paula. Great job. Good job, Thank everybody. You. It's fun. Bye. 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 See you guys.